Well, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We are continuing our way through this wonderful letter. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 6. The final chapter of this letter. Now, Paul has been showing us so far in this letter what the gospel is and how that gospel is to change us. God's brought us to a new life. He's teaching us now what that new life looks like practically. First, he spoke of Christian character in general. Now he has moved on to the topic of Christian relationships. Last week we were looking at the relationships of wives and husbands. Now we are going to be considering how we might best glorify God in our relationships as parents and as children. This is God's word, Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. This is God's word. Now, our, our passage this morning is short, but I think you would all agree that the topic is a pretty big one. It's probably always been a big one in your life. The relationship between parents and children is not the original human relationship, nor is it the most binding one. That would be the relationship between husband and wife. But it is the first relationship that each of you ever had. You were born with a mother. You were probably born with your father still around. We were all born with parents. And this relationship is foundational for all human society. The family is our first school. The family is our first government. Our parents are our first friends. And you could say they are our first neighbors. It's no surprise, really, that the whole idea of the, the second half of the Ten Commandments, love your neighbor as yourself, begins with the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. It begins at home. And so this first commandment then expands out to neighbors who are farther away, but it begins with those who are close to us. A commandment that Paul quotes here in our passage, honor your father and mother. Now this law is given for everyone, but Paul is dealing specifically with Christian relationships. See, this whole section is an extension of Paul's teaching earlier, not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he's showing what that looks like in our relationships. 
My children are called to obey their parents, you see, in the Lord. Fathers are to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. As I showed last week, every single relationship is brought, Christ's presence, Christ's authority is brought to bear on every single relationship. Husbands, wives, fathers, children, servants, masters. Everything is brought to, Christ is brought to bear in everything because he is the center of all. That is how God has organized the whole universe, that Jesus Christ would be the center, that all things would be summed up in him. So there is something specifically Christian about all this teaching. It's not merely generic child-raising tips that would work just as well for an unbeliever as it would a believer. Paul wants us to be, raise our children in a Christian way. And so for the relationship to be correct again, we must have this teaching because our, the relationship between parents and children is broken. It has been broken ever since the fall. Sin wrecked havoc on every relationship, including the relationship between parents and children. You know, I've spent 14 years of my life in Taiwan where filial piety is really the highest virtue, this piety that children are to have towards their parents. And as a pastor over there, I saw probably the most frequent pastoral problem was that people had terrible relationships with their parents. It was almost universally the case, even though the virtue was so highly promoted. They couldn't get around the fact that sin has broken it. It has ruined relationships. Now, parents are often too selfish, or they discipline too harshly, or they don't discipline at all, and they spoil their children. The children themselves are not born neutral. They are born sinful and ignorant. I did not have to teach my children how to disobey. They do it on their own. Now, children, they might obey their parents when they have to, but they cannot honor their parents as they ought from the heart without the transforming work of the Spirit in their lives. Thankfully, God knows what it's like to be a father. For God, the Father, is the original Father. And God knows what it's like to be a son. For Jesus Christ is the original Son. God is both a father and a son, and so you can be sure that he cares deeply about this relationship. It was made to reflect God's own character, just as the relationship between husbands and wives is made to reflect Christ's love for his church. So you can be sure that as Jesus, that God cares deeply for this relationship, he also cares deeply about redeeming it, about making it right. Do you remember the very last verse of the whole Old Testament 
spoke of how God in the time of the gospel would restore the hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to their children, lest he come and smite the land with a curse. That is how the Old Testament ends in the book of Malachi. This is part of what they were looking forward to, restoration of this relationship. God cares deeply about this relationship, and thankfully, by his spirit, he is restoring it. So, what is a Christian parent-child relationship supposed to look like? That is what Paul is addressing here. First, he addresses the children. He starts off with wives and then husbands, children and then fathers, servants and then masters. He starts off with those who are in position of submission first. And so, children, I want to start off addressing you because that's what Paul does. You see here that God's word is addressed to you too. It doesn't say, parents, tell your children when you see them that God said to obey you. It's It's spoken directly to you. When Paul wrote this, he expected that when it was read in church, the children would be there to hear it. So it's not something simply for parents to follow. Children, God has a special role, a special calling for you. It is an important one. Although you might feel like church is something that adults do, that old people do, that church is also for you. God loves you. Jesus Christ was so glad to have the children come to him It was not an imposition on his time. He would come and he would bless them, each of them. He loves them. You might feel like you can't do very much for God now, but you can. God has given you a role and you don't need to wait until you grow up to be able to serve God. One of the ways that you can serve God is in the way that you submit to your parents. Jesus one time was your age. He knew what it was like to submit to his parents, even though he's better than his parents, right? Even though he probably knew better very often, he still learned how to honor his father. He honored his heavenly father, obeyed him even to death on a cross. But he also honored his parents, his earthly parents. And if you read the Bible, you'll see how Jesus did this. Luke 2, 51 says that Jesus continued in subjection to his parents. And you might remember that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he saw to it, even in the midst of all his pain and suffering, he saw to it that his mother would be cared for after he passed away. So from the beginning of his life to the end of it, Jesus honored his parents. You are called to be like him. You are to treat your parents with respect And how you treat your parents is a great testimony to the world uh, for the Lord. Now, God has not placed you as king immediately over, over the world. You are born into a role where there are people you have to obey. Uh, when you were born, your, your parents didn't have to obey you. 
you are called to obey your parents. And there are two commands here for you in this passage. The first is that you obey your parents. The second is that you honor them. And the second command is a bit bigger than the first one because you can obey on the outside and do what your parents tell you to do, but in your heart, you're not honoring them. In your heart, you might still be angry with your parents. But God doesn't simply see the outside. God looks on the heart. And he knows what you think. He knows what you feel. He sees your heart. And he wants you to obey your parents in a way that is from the heart. This means not only that you do what your parents say, it also means that you honor your parents in the way that you speak about them to your friends when your parents aren't around. Now, many of your friends might like to speak badly about their parents. They might think that that's cool to do that. But you are to be different. You are to reflect God's character in the way that you obey, in the way that you think of, the way that you speak of your parents. Now, I was your age once as well. And I know that parents aren't perfect and that they make mistakes, but you are still to honor and obey them unless they tell you to do something that's sinful. When I was young, sometimes I would have disagreements with my mom, and my dad would tell me repeatedly, Daniel, your mother is always right. And this went on for years until one day I got up the boldness to tell, to, to object and tell my dad, but dad, sometimes she's not right. And then he said, Daniel, your mother is always right. Even if she's wrong, she's right. And then it clicked to me that yes, this is the way I'm supposed to treat her. Whether or not she's right or wrong, I treat her with respect. And that sometimes they are wrong. But that doesn't change my obligation to honor them. So you are called to obey. You are called to honor your parents. I think the story of Daniel is a great example of someone who honors those who have been placed in authority over him, disobeys at the right time, and still honors. You remember there was a time when Daniel was... The king made a decree that no one would be able to pray to anyone except to this false idol. And Daniel, who was a great servant to the king, so much so that the king loved him, he would not obey this at all. Just like normal, he went back to praying three times a day with his window open, praying towards Jerusalem for God's salvation and restoration of Israel. Soon Daniel was arrested. He was thrown into the lion's den. The king wasn't real happy about this. He had kind of been tricked. He didn't want his best guy to be thrown into the lion's den, but he did it anyway. Daniel, you know, survived the night in the lion's den. And the king came early in the morning to see how he had been, how he fared. He said, Daniel, was your God strong enough to save you? Did your God save you? And the first words that came out of Daniel's mouth were these, O king, live forever. 
Even when the king had thrown him into the, thrown him into the lion's den, to his own death, possibly, he still showed respect. He, he honored the king when he could. He disobeyed when he had to. And he honored the king even when the king made a bad flaw. We are called to be like that uh, with our parents. We honor, we obey them whenever we can. We disobey when we must. We honor them always. Now, Paul has already spoken about children many times in Ephesians so far. He mentioned how God has adopted us as his children in the first few verses. He mentioned how we used to be children of wrath, but now we are God's beloved children, children of light. In a way, you will always be children, even in heaven. Just as all of your life is like premarital counseling for the wedding supper of the Lamb, all of your life you're also children. And we are adopted into God's family and we remain God's children forever. God has placed you in families. Angels don't have this great privilege. They are, they have a different type of relationship to one another. Our relationship as parents and as children reflects God's character, his nature, in a way differently than even angels do. And in this way, we can learn how to practice and to honor and obey God by the way we honor and obey our parents. This is a good thing. Now, there are lots of reasons why you should do this. Paul says here, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Not merely because it's good evangelism, not simply because they're bigger than you or stronger than you for a while or more experienced than you. It's because it's right. It's the way God in his great wisdom has designed it. But there are other good reasons too. First of all, God has commanded it and he knows what he's doing and we should obey him. Also, your parents are more experienced than you. You might end up being smarter than them and you already might be better at computers or smartphones or some sort of app than they are, but you still think as children and understand as children. You don't really realize this, and I, I don't mean this in a condescending way, but children, they see things a little bit different than, than you will when you're an adult. My children, or lots of children, they'll draw, start to draw faces when they start drawing, and you see, they'll draw the face, and then they'll draw the arms coming directly off the head, and legs coming directly off the head. And I wonder, why is it that all the kids start drawing this way? No neck, no body, just arms coming out your ears. That's not the way people look. It's cute, but children just think differently. When Paul said, Paul reflecting on things, 1 Corinthians 13, he would say, when I was a child, I, I spoke like a child, I reasoned like a child. Now that I'm a, I'm a man, I put away childish things. So you, 20 years from now, children, you will know the world better than you do now. You will look back on it, and some of the things that you thought, some of the things you did, you realize. You didn't see as clearly as you would 
in the future. So um, you have to trust in your trust your parents, even if you don't understand them. You know they won't always be with you either. My dad passed away eight years ago, last month. I think I treated him pretty well, but. I wish I had honored him better when he was still around. I don't have the chance to do it now. Not, not to his face. And mom and dad do know this world better than you, and there is wisdom in listening to them. But there are other reasons too. Colossians 3.20, a parallel verse says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So this is great news and encouragement. If you love the Lord and you want to please him, one of the ways that you can please him is by obeying your parents. That makes God happy. And you should obey your parents because he commands it. You should obey him because it pleases God. But there's another reason given here too. It's the first commandment with a promise. Paul points this out that there is good news attached to this command. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. My, my youngest daughter loves electric plugs. She'll go in there and she'll try to put her hand in there because it's right there. I don't know why they make them right there at the height of a one-year-old. But they just focus on it and they go to it. I cannot explain to her why that's dangerous for her to play with it. She just has to learn to obey me, right? But um, if, you know, as children, we don't always know the dangerous things that are around us. If you obey your parents, it will most likely go better for you than if you didn't obey your parents. They they know things, they, they are aware of some mistakes that you might not recognize yet. Now, It's beneficial for you that you honor your parents. Ordinarily, God rewards obedience with long life. If he doesn't, it's because he gives you something even better. So so you should honor your parents because God commands it, because it's right, because it pleases the Lord, because it's good for you. You might not think that your parents know best, but you have to admit, God knows best. And God calls you here to obey your parents. Now, I also have a message to the children, those of you who are no longer young, those who are adults. Remember that you have parents, too, many of you. I remember I was asked to preach on the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, at a church in Birmingham. And I thought, oh, this will be good. It would be good for my kids to hear. And then a second later, I also realized my mom will also be there. So it's a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. Um, This command has relevance for you, too, who are no longer children but adults. But Paul is speaking primarily of younger children because he's calling the fathers to build them up. But you who are older... You are still to honor your parents like Jesus as long as you live. The relationship does change. And you leave your father and mother and cleave to your spouse. That's normal. That's right. 
God designed that too, but you're still to honor them even when you're no longer required to obey them. You honor them in the way that you speak to them, the way that you speak of them, the way you listen to them for advice, even even when they're older. Consider how even Moses, who had been in Pharaoh's court for so long, listened to the advice of his father-in-law later. Proverbs 23, 22 says this, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Sometimes that gets more difficult when our parents are older and need more care, and we feel like the relationship has, has shifted in a way, that they need our care more than we need their care. But we are called to show them respect even then. Remember, too, also that your children are learning from you how to honor their parents when you are old by the way that you honor your parents now that they are old. So honor your parents for this promise of long life is for you, too. Now, we need grace in this area, for no one is the perfect child except Jesus. He was the perfect child. That's one of the reasons why he's the perfect Savior, too. I want you to remember, he paid for the sin, your sin of breaking this commandment when he died on the cross. Remember that he kept the fifth commandment on your behalf as well. There is forgiveness with him, and Even now, he can restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Look to him. It's not too late. Now, fathers, Paul has a word for you in particular. It applies, I think, both to fathers and mothers, for both parents are tasked with raising the children. But you must notice that Paul focuses on fathers especially. This might be because in the Roman world, the father had absolute power in his home. If he wanted to, he could make his children work in the fields in chains. No one would would, would tell him it was wrong. If he wanted to, he could sell his children as slaves. It was legal. He could put them to death if he wanted to, and no one would say anything because that was the law. Very different than the world we live in, where um, children are often ruling the home. But there, the father was like a little king in a kingdom, and nobody could tell him anything was, was wrong. So Paul is teaching gentleness in this. God is calling us, calling you to be different. You are called to be gentle. You are called to be mindful of your children's weakness. You've heard in many verses as we've gone throughout this worship service how the Lord is compassionate. If there was ever a king, it's the Lord. If there was ever one who could put to death and no one would be able to say anything against it, it's the Lord. And yet, notice how compassionate he is. Notice how he loves us. Notice how gently he deals with us, disciplines us, not out of harshness, but for our good. You know, you don't throw down a T-bone steak for a baby to eat. 
You don't place burdens on them that are too heavy. Psalm 103 says, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Your model as fathers is God the Father. He is powerful, infinitely powerful, but consider how he has treated you. He is patient. He is forgiving. He is compassionate. He is mindful of your weaknesses. We are to be fathers like that. We are to take care that we do not provoke our children to anger. It's interesting. He doesn't say, fathers, rule over your children. He says, fathers, don't provoke them to anger. That seems to be the more um, likely fault that we have. It's easy to do. We, when we are impatient, one of the, this is all about, uh, this whole section is about being filled with the Spirit and what that looks like. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. We are to be self-controlled as fathers. That can be difficult. I know I've got five kids and every once in a while there's that rare moment when no one's fighting and I feel peace in the house. But there's this constant, you know, whining sometimes or fighting. And it's tough to be patient. It's tough, tough to be self-controlled. But it's not tougher for me than it is for God. In that sense, my children are pretty good, I think. I'm not the greatest son that God's ever had. And he's been very patient with me. We put burdens on our children, sometimes particularly our oldest, because we, we have expectations that are too high for them. Sometimes we, put, we can exasperate those that are less talented in some way, in some area, if we try to compare them to their siblings. There's lots of different ways we as fathers can exasperate our children. And we need to ask the Lord for grace to help us in this area. God has given you a great honor, a great privilege in being a father. But he wants you to be a godly father. And he's willing to teach you how to do it in his word. You, instead of the world, you are to bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Like being a husband, your headship was not given to you for your sake, but for your wife's sake, your, and your children's sake here. You are to bring them up, and this word is a very gentle word, to train them how to walk as God's beloved children. This word, bring them up, is the same word that was used back in Ephesians 5.29. Where, it's, where it says, nourish. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So you are to feed your children with wisdom and with loving correction. You are to spank your children when they need it. There are plenty of verses about that. Your children need it, but you are to do it with love, with patience, with gentleness, with self-control, all those things are fruit of the Spirit. 
fruit of the Spirit-filled person. Fathers, you may especially need to be reminded of this because in our day and age, fathers are often outside the home. It wasn't always like that, for in the past, many fathers worked in the fields right next to the house, where they worked in shops right next to their homes. So you are to remember that the, the hard task of taking care of the children is not just the mother's job. It's not the state's job either. God is calling you in particular to take care and leading your family in this area. It involves correction, but it also involves teaching and training. And notice it's not just any training that's in mind, but instruction of the Lord. The most important thing you are to teach your children is how they can walk as God's children. Where can you find that instruction? It is, of course, in Scripture. Scripture is the great curriculum laid out for you to teach your children. When you rise up, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. All of Scripture is your guide here, but there are some passages that are more immediately applicable. The early chapters of Deuteronomy teach fathers to teach their children about who God is, about how God has rescued them from Egypt, and what are God's laws. These three things, who God is, what God has done, what God's will is, are repeatedly given throughout Scripture as instruction for your children. God's character, God's works, God's law. The whole book of Proverbs is filled with this instruction, particularly for young men. The whole book is laid out like a father's uh, and mother's instruction to their children. It's filled with practical wisdom for children, not only about fearing God, but about what sort of friends you should have, about work, about what you should look for in a spouse, about finances, about pursuing wisdom, and especially about how to handle temptation. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your children took those things to heart? One of the best ways for them to learn these things is for you to go through the book of Proverbs with them, to teach them and apply it to them. But remember, children also learn better with their eyes than with their ears. You must be an example of these things for them, for them to see it. The most important thing you can do for your children is pray for them. Secondly, model a godly walk for them. Thirdly, teaching them. That's that's what's most important there. But you must also show them how to honor you and to raise them up by the way you honor those God has placed above you. We are often very critical of our leaders and often too strict to our kids. I want you to notice Paul himself the way he handles our kids in this passage. He doesn't say, children, obey your parents and the Lord because I said so, right? He teaches them, encourages them, gives them promises, reasons for instruction. Sometimes we have to teach them to obey even when they don't understand because you said so. But he's gentle with our kids. We're called to be this way too. 
to be gentle toward those who are below us, to honor those who are above us. Here in, a, in America, it's practically a pastime, a national pastime, to criticize those God has placed over us. Doesn't matter if they're good or bad. The way that you honor authority, the way you speak of the government and your elders and your own parents, that's passed down by how your children learn to honor you. They learn by imitation. And that's scary because we complain so often. We sometimes delight if somebody who is elected does something that is not flattering. And we like to promote it. Uh, instead of trying to honor them as a Christian uh, despite their flaws. Your children will learn about respect and honor from you. Your children will learn about prayer from you. They will learn about worship from you, about walking with the Lord from you. They will learn about relationships and handling conflict and handling temptation and how to say sorry afterwards from you. Fathers and mothers, shouldn't this drive us to our knees for help from God? We need wisdom in this area. It's a big responsibility to be given an eternal soul into your care. So if you come to God for wisdom, I want you to remember you come to the right place. For you will find that your Father gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Let's come to him for wisdom and grace now. Lord, we ask that you would help us as parents and as children to act correctly in the roles that you've given us. Lord, even for us, many of us who have children who are outside the home, we have parents who are older, Lord, give us wisdom in adapting to the changes, but help us to always honor, to pray for, to love, to treat with gentleness and respect, patience, and self-control those you've put in our lives, in our closest relationships. Lord, we pray that the world would be able to see what we do, and that it's different, and that would make them wonder what sort of father that we have in heaven from the way that we live. Lord, give us grace and mercy in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.